Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice. Ask yourself if they're really telling the truth. This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. This is Subliminally Correct, a bi-weekly podcast where we examine all the ways politicians and newsmakers are using psychological tactics to influence you every single day. And now, join myself, Taylor Sherman, certified hypnosis instructor and executive coach, along with my co-host, Alex DeBranick, political consultant and certified consulting hypnotist, on this episode of Subliminally Correct. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Subliminally Correct. This is part two of our series on Donald Trump and his rally in Michigan, and how he actually had this rally, had a ton of his supporters really uh, cheering and going for him. And we're breaking down some of the language patterns, the body language distinctions, especially the places where he isn't congruent with the body language, meaning he's not aligned with what he's saying and what he's actually doing with his body. And there actually was a point here where we're going to be pretty much definitively showing how Donald Trump used the teleprompter uh, during his speech, which, if you remember, was one of his things on the campaign trail that he got on some other people for using the teleprompter. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Before we really dive into it, though, and get into the the first clip, I want to remind everyone that if you really enjoy the show, to really hit us up on Twitter, you know, uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, give us your comments, find out you know, what would you like to have on the show? Who would you like to see on the show? What do you notice about the episode? Have you noticed some other distinctions uh, within? And of course, if you enjoy the show and, you know, you'd like to support us, remember that your support does matter. So we have a Patreon page set up and we'd really like for this to be a listener supported show, you know, so that we won't have to put a lot of advertisements and things like that in it. Um, it would be great to make it a listener supported show, so please check out the Patreon link. It's in the show notes. You can uh, subscribe on Patreon for as little as buying us a cup of coffee, and you can even go all the way up to you know paying for a month of the server hosting for the for the podcast. And uh, it's really not actually that expensive. So check it out, and uh, we really appreciate your support once again. So the first clip here is really one of my favorite Donald Trump clips uh, ever um, because it's really it's it's fascinating what he actually says here and how he's later going to disclaim it and you know his supporters are going to disclaim it and will say effectively that he didn't say this but really listen closely let's begin. But we have to have borders, and we have to have them fast. And we need security, we need the wall, we're gonna have it all. And again, that wall has started. We got 1.6 billion, we come up again on September 28th, and if we don't get border security, we'll have no choice. We'll close down the country, because we need border security. This is just such a cool clip, because he's really, you know, doubling down on the wall and the border security and you know i just i just love the way that he says that we need this wall we're gonna close down the country yeah it's like we're gonna take away your game boy if you don't do what we say 
Or we're going to lock you in your room or, you know, something. Don't make me turn this country around. (laughs) So seriously, did he just say that? He just said that he was going to close down the country. What does that even mean that he's going to close down the country? Now, I'm sure that some people would say that what he means by that is that somehow the laws that he tried to get passed with not allowing people to come in from certain you know, at-risk countries are coming in, but that's not what it sounded like to me. Closing down is closing down. Does that mean no one can go in and out? And, you know, of course we know that's not really going to be, you know, enacted, but it is kind of an interesting thing for him to say. Well, interesting in a scary way, I guess. And here's the thing is that it really doesn't have to mean anything. I'm sure the intended point here is to, again, bring back to sort of that parental feeling that many of the older listeners at this rally might be, oh, this is something I might say in my everyday life. Right. And it's again, he's the commander in chief and he's taking charge and he's making changes and he's pushing things forward. It's it's really interesting, though, that he would actually say something like this and that people wouldn't just stand up and go, wait a second, what in the world do you mean? But you hear the applause. You hear the applause from the audience. And they actually like the idea of closing down the country. They like the idea of that border security. But this is actually about 46 minutes into the clip. And so they've already been listening to him for about 40 plus minutes. And so they've already probably agreed with a lot of things he said. So this one might not be that big of a stretch. Let's get on to the next clip. A vote for a Democrat in November is a vote for open borders and crime. It's very simple. It's also a vote for much higher taxes. It's also a vote for be careful of your Second Amendment. Okay, be careful. Be careful of your Second Amendment if they get in. It's a vote for be careful of your Second Amendment. Yeah. He starts off with this, a vote for X is a vote for Y, which is a typical political pattern, right? We've heard this before. We've heard politicians say, well, if you vote for this, that's a vote for this other thing. You know, a vote for this politician is a vote for whatever it is that you, which you don't like. Um, what's interesting about this, I think, is that He has this repetition that he sets up with it. So a vote for this is a vote for that. And it's a vote for that. And it's a vote for that. And he gets them kind of along that line. And then, as you say, he just interrupts it right in the middle and says, be careful of your Second Amendment. What does that mean? And it's interesting, too, because it's a little bit of uh, political hypnotic language pattern right there. What's happening there is that he's doing something called a pattern interrupt, meaning that he he gets them on a certain pattern. They're expecting something to happen, and then right in the middle of it, he interrupts it and says something else, which jars a person to the point where they're not thinking critically or logically for that half of a second, and then right then he gives them the the idea. This is actually something he does all the time. So let's go ahead and listen to the to the next one here. And the next one is going to be him quoting a particular politician. But we have to keep the House. Because if you listen to Maxine Waters, 
She goes around saying, we will impeach him. We will impeach him. Then people said, but he hasn't done anything wrong. Oh, that doesn't matter. We will impeach the president. So I don't think we're going to have a lot of happy people if that happens. I think it's going to be a little bit tough. But she goes around and some others, we will impeach him. Doesn't matter if you do anything right or wrong. They want to do that. We got to win the House. And you know what? We're going to win anyway. But we're going to win the House. And this is my favorite thing because he's able to, first he just does this great impression of Maxine Waters, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, one of the things that actually makes him really charming is that he's able to sort of just dive in and change his persona. And now he's doing a, an impersonation of an African-American congresswoman and he changes his, you know, body stance and the way he's using his hands to sort of emulate that. And then sort of gets into this little imaginary back and forth with, you know, an unknown individual and sort of creating a straw man argument of, you know, we're going to impeach him, but he didn't do anything wrong. We're going to impeach him. And it's it's just it's ridiculous because this conversation has never happened and it will never happen. And yet he's already, you know, telling everybody in the audience right there that this is real. This is how it's going to happen. And this is how you should feel when it does happen. Yeah, it's like he has this cartoon of her in his head. And, you know, they're they're having this conversation. They're thinking along this way. And I think what he's doing is he's coaching his base that if someone says that or if it comes up later, you know, in the news, of course, they don't trust the news. Okay, but if it comes up later in the news or someone says that, then the automatic thing is, wait, but he didn't do anything wrong, but we'll impeach him. But he didn't do anything wrong. And it's as if this is the conversation that's that's going to happen. And what it actually does is it gives his supporters a feeling like if that conversation happens, that they're going to come out the other end and everything's going to be fine and that it's not going to not going to mean anything. So, so he's making something that otherwise would be really important and he's taking the importance and he's bringing it down almost to almost to zero because, hey, this is just the conversation. And notice if you if you listen closely, go ahead and repeat that he changes the pronouns, too. So it's not, you know, we will it goes from we will impeach him and this is Donald Trump speaking about himself. And then he changes it to doesn't matter if you're doing anything right or wrong, we're going to impeach you. And so now he's not talking about himself anymore. He's talking about the listener, the person in the audience that's being attacked by Maxine Waters. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great, uh, great spot there. I mean, it's when you want to notice what do people use in terms of their pronouns. That's going to tell you a lot about the way they've been representing the world. So what happens is that when a person says uses the pronoun you, but they're talking about themselves, they're they're creating an image of themselves out there and they're referring to the image as you. But actually, they're talking about um, themselves. And yeah, him switching the pronouns is, is interesting. I mean, we have heard, of course, that Trump has referred to himself in the third person in more than, you know, more more than a couple occasions. That people, I think uh, Bill Gates noticed that recently. And as a little aside, that's also a, a great sign of somebody who's not telling the truth or somebody that's creating, you know, a, a fictionalized world 
is they'll change their pronouns or the tense in which they're speaking um, because that's how they're picturing it in their mind. And, and that's exactly what he's doing here when, you know, something that I guess somebody who is paying close attention would say, oh, he is obviously making this up, but everybody's just getting whipped up into it anyway. They're not paying attention. They're going along with it. Yeah, pronoun stuff is absolutely you know, fascinating, really, if you delve into it, just do a do a search on some of the research on pronouns. Um, effectively, researchers can actually scan, you know, documents or conversations for the pronouns or for the sentence structure and be able to tell just astounding things about the conversations and who was involved and all sorts of power plays and, you know, dynamics and, you know, stuff like that. So pretty cool stuff to, to look into. All right, this next clip is about, you know, one of Trump's favorite subjects, Obamacare. <laughs> so let's listen to this one. And essentially, we are getting rid of Obamacare. Some people would say, essentially, we've gotten rid of it. But you no longer have the individual mandate. You remember what that is. That's where you had the privilege, a real a privilege of going out and spending a lot of money so that you had the second privilege of not having to buy health care. So you paid for the privilege of not buying health care. We got rid of it in the tax cut plan. Big thing. Big thing. He got rid of Obamacare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he thinks that he did. Some people, some people would say, some people would say that, you know, essentially essentially we've gotten rid of it. Isn't that right? You know, essentially they've gotten rid of it. No, but they've gotten rid of the individual mandate. You know, we know that that was the the most unpopular part of Obamacare. You know, that's no secret that um, the individual mandate was not a popular thing. Um, and because I think it was so unpopular that some people actually think that was all that Obamacare, you know, the ACA actually did. Um, which, you know, simply isn't true. That was so unconstitutional, but that was the worst part of Obamacare. We got rid of that. And you see what's going on, and we're really producing. And except for one vote, remember the one vote? Three o'clock in the morning, thumbs down. What a vote that was. What a vote that was. That was some vote. But despite that, it's going to come out great. So we've gotten rid of a lot of Obamacare. We're going to get rid of the rest. We got you the tax cuts. We want every American to know the dignity of work, the pride of a paycheck, and the satisfaction of a job well done. There's nothing like it. Together, we can lift millions of Americans from welfare to work, from dependence to independence, and from poverty to prosperity. Here's the proof, right? Here's the proof that he has been uh, using the teleprompter. Because if you actually listen to how during that clip, and my gosh, you know, what was what was that? That was about a, a minute or so. That during that time, we went from, you know, thumbs down, right? That type of super conversational, let's just call it language. And then there's a certain point in which he switches where he says, we got you the tax cuts. And then if you watch the clip in the actual video, 
he kind of takes a breath. His eyes go up and to his left. You know, he's reading something there. And, he, and then he begins this, this speech. He says, we want everyone to, every American to know the dignity of work, the pride of a paycheck, and the satisfaction of a job well done. Well, that is speechwriter material right there. All right. You know, <laughs> together we're going to, it's, it's, it's like we're listening to someone who's not Donald Trump, right? This, and what did it have to do with the previous like yeah, 10 minutes nothing. of a speech? Exactly. Absolutely nothing. But he knew he had to get through that particular part of what the teleprompter was showing him to do. And he makes the transition just seamless too, is that he goes, he, he notices that his voice is trailing off and then he shifts gears without, you know, if you weren't paying attention to it, it would have just slipped right by you. Yeah. And this is, if you think about the difference between what he does in his more conversational way or the, or the way he does when he's simply talking off the cuff versus you can see now his speech writers or what's prepared for him is to be more motivational and more tapping into people's values. So again, we hear the values, dignity, pride, satisfaction, right? Of what? The work, the paycheck, the job well done. And he taps into those, those core values, you know, actually in, in the, the clip right after this, we're going to be getting into some of why those values might be important in a particularly popular initiative. And as he taps into those, those values, it's like all of a sudden he's motivational. All of a sudden he's bringing them up and it's the sense of, whoa, he can do that too. He really is, you know, so many things, but actually he's just, you know, reading off of what's, what's there. He does have a good delivery though. I'll give him that. He does know how to deliver it. Now in this next clip, we get to learn about Donald Trump's time in vocational school and all that he learned there. Let's listen. And we're supporting vocational schools, right? Vocational. You know, I said to the guys, I said, these community colleges, they're wonderful, but nobody knows really what a community college is. When I was growing up, we had things called vocational schools. And I'd go to a school, and I'd be sitting next to a guy. I never looked at his papers because he didn't do well. And on the other side, I'd have somebody not too good. But you know what? They could take an engine apart blindfolded and fix it. They could build a brick wall better than all of the guys in the class and gals together. They could do things that nobody else could do. And nobody knows what a community college is. We're going to start using, and we had this, vocational schools where you learn trades and you'll do it and you'll love it and you'll make much more money than anything else you can do, right? And he starts this clip off with, I was saying to the guys, I was saying, it almost as if he's getting back into that whole story method. Yeah. And he gets into nobody knows what a community college is. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. As if, almost as if he's talking for himself. But he's saying that nobody knows what a community college. I'm sure all of these people in the audience knows exactly what a community college is. But then he sort of gets back into when I was growing up. And he, he goes into the story about going to vocational school, which he never <laughs> did. 
it's and almost he looked as at the guy and the guy had the <laughs> wrong answers and he didn't do it you know he didn't copy his test it's like somebody he heard this story out campaigning and then just just decided to adapt it as his own and get out there and just start retelling this as if it actually happened to him yeah and we hear how much he's been coached to really start hitting on the things that his base actually wants to wants to hear. You know, from what I know, vocational schools is a very popular initiative among, you know, among some people, right? That being able to create those type of schools is important, you know, especially in rural areas, you know, where there's this sense of um, we were different from all of the fancy, you know, college going people, the, the liberal colleges uh, of the U.S., And um, I think that he's making this distinction. He's saying, well, vocational schools are over here. Colleges are over there. We don't need colleges, you know, and then and then you hear at the end of this clip, this kind of just rushing he does at them of language is really, really fast and inspirational. And you hear the power of the linkage word. The linkage word in this case is the word and. okay, and he says it like this and you'll do it and you'll love it. And you'll make much more money than anything else you can do. Wait, anything? Anything else you can do? Who, who is it that he's talking to? And who is it that's going to do it? And who is it that's going to love it? And it's great because uh, what's going on here is that he is building sort of that narrative of anti-elitism that you know universities are sort of the, the, the structures. Um that, you know, are, are full of these high-minded people, these scientists who, you know, believe in global warming and these, you know, elitist liberals who, you know, think that organic food's the way to go. And it, it, the, the vaccinations are, are good. Um, and he's really just like just digging in on that. And that speaks to a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, he, he sort of gets to that without really saying it and to sort of just uh just bubble up those feelings without actually like putting it into words and that's what's really brilliant about this and really just like gets these people you know i guess the whole theme of a lot of donald trump's speeches is that he's sort of able to allude to things and get people to start having those feelings about certain issues and certain statements without actually having to say them And that's what's so brilliant about his speeches. Yeah, this was a speech about vocational schools. But what he actually managed to do was to slip in that anti-elitism, you know, anti-elitist narrative. And uh, so pretty fascinating, really. And also tell a story, too. Tell it all in a story that didn't actually happen to him. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody bats an eye. Because they've been whipped up for an hour and two minutes now, and and they're ready to just listen and believe whatever he's saying. Man, now that's and that's a movie I would watch. I'm telling you, Donald Trump in vocational <laughs> school. I would watch that movie. I really copying would. off the person that next would to him. be pretty fascinating. That that would be pretty fun to fun to watch. Um, I hope it wasn't Trump University. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, you- a man who owned a university. <laughs> is talking about vocational school. That's right. That's right. (laughs) All right. So in the next clip here, we're going to be talking about some of the emotional language 
and the the sense of actually using emotion to uh, to whip up even more of a frenzy. By the way, by the way, by the way, is this better than that phony Washington White House correspondence? Is this more fun? I could be up there tonight smiling like I love where they're hitting you shot after shot. These people, they hate your guts shot. And then I'm supposed to. And you know, you got to smile. And if you don't smile, they'll say, he, he was terrible. He couldn't take it. And if you do smile, they'll say, what was he smiling about? You know, there's no way. And this clip is great because he is finding a way to make his dislike of the media more relatable by putting them into the situation that he would be in if he went to that, uh, to the, you know, the, the White House dinner in that, you know, now they are, uh, first off, listen to the pronouns. He's switched from talking about his own experiences into saying, you know, you get up there and you have to do this and they take shot after shot at you. And the way all of this, the the tone of his voice, the way he's using his arms in that shot after shot after shot, almost as he's mimicking the sound of a gun with his voice and, uh, and, and really driving home the emotion to sort of build up that dislike of the media and to sort of make it more palatable and a little bit more um, you know, relatable and, and at home for his listeners. Yeah, he has them all step into his shoes of what he was feeling. And it's kind of like an attack on the leader is an attack on the people. I, I think he's stirring up a little bit of that there. All right, let's get to the next clip. I love this one. This is our moment. We've never had a moment like this. The economy is raging. Our military is strong and getting stronger. Every single day, we're ordering the greatest equipment in the world. We make the greatest military equipment in the world. Look at what happened in Syria. Boom, boom, bing. (laughs) First off, he's gotten them to the point where he doesn't actually have to say anything anymore. Now he's just saying boom, boom, bing, and the whole crowd goes wild for no reason at all. But, you know, that lead up right there, he's doing the same things he did before. This is our moment. You know, this is the next thing. This is the next thing. You see what happened here. You see what happened there. This, this, that. And everybody goes crazy, boom, and he boom, doesn't even have to bing. say any words anymore. Right. Um, but no, this is all just that emotional charge just being let go. Yeah, he's he's escalating his voice tone. He's doing the thing. He starts to move it up, and then he moves it up, and boom, boom, bingo. You know, we, we could choose, choose any sort of way in which he does it. <laughs> and they're going to start to have an emotional effect, you know, with that. All right, let's get to the next one. We're taking our country back. You have no money. You have just no idea. So many people come up to me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I say, for what? For what? You're taking our country back. It's true. So many people, they say, thank you, sir. I always say, for what? They say, sir, you're taking our country back. And it's true. It's true. We're all taking our country back. And right here, what he's doing is 
a clever form of repetition. So he's recounting the same conversation over and over and over again, using the exact same phrases and changing it just ever so slightly to sort of make it appear as though he's going into different situations and talking to a new person that's coming up to him. When in reality, it's just him at the podium saying the same thing over and over and over again, but he's getting everybody into this imagination world where different people are walking up to him, faceless, nameless people, and saying the exact same thing to him over and over and over again. And then at the end, he projects it onto the entire audience as if everybody is helping to make America great again. And that his experience is everybody's experience. Yeah, and they, they come up to me and they say, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And I always say, for what? I say, for what? And they say, thank you for taking our country back. And, you know, once again, we hear this this miraculous ability he has to put himself in some random, you know, situation to create a story you know, this is what happened. Now, of course, if, is any of this verifiable? No. Can we question any of this? No. There's no real way to dispute it. And there's no way to dispute it that anyone, let's say, in the media can dispute it. There's also no way for his for anyone listening to dispute it because he's just recounting his own experience. You know, you, you can't dispute what you didn't see, hear, or feel. Um and and he he gets into this this thing of you know we're all in this together this is what people are coming up and they're saying and he he's building up that you know collective narrative once again now in this next clip i really want every listener to pay close attention this is something that trump just you know really does excellently that really illustrates just how good of a public speaker he is When you listen to this next one, listen to his tone, listen to his pacing, and listen to how he builds emotion. In this, you can just replace three or four words, and this could be a phrase, a speech, a set of lines from President Obama or any inspirational, motivational speaker. So simple, and uh, it's just brilliant. Listen. He comes up to me and goes, I wasn't president then. We're campaigning. He said, and the election had just started. So with the early voting, he says to me, you know, Mr. Trump, he called me. He goes, I don't know what's happening in the rest of the country, but Tennessee, early voting. I have been doing this stuff for 25 years, and I've never seen anything like it. People that are great Americans, but they never voted before because they never had anybody that they wanted to vote for. They work hard. They pay taxes. They're coming out of the hills and out of the valley. They've got the red caps on. They've got the Make America Great on. They've got the Trump on. And I don't know what's happening, but if every place is like Tennessee, you're going to win this election, Mr. Trump. True. And that right there is just, that's just gold. He's talking about this guy that just randomly walked up to him. Uh, an election worker maybe and starts going into this story and he's just building that tone and that that epic momentum of you know him against the world and we're changing everything and it's really just any any amazing politician could have given that right there and so anybody who discounts you know president trump as being sort of uh, uh caged 
or uh, or just like a poor public speaker or campy is just missing the whole thing. You know, moments like this where he's just as good as any world class politician. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very powerful delivery there in that he's recounting it. And I think what makes it even more powerful is he's stepping into the person as it was told to him or as he says that it was told to him. And he said, he's coming up to me and I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but how it is in Tennessee. And it's almost as though we're brought into this small town feeling, you know, it's like, okay, now we're in the small town and now this is what really matters. You know, it's not about all of the other stuff with politics that gets on their nerves. It's like, this is what really matters. And these are those those moments in which we all come together and we're all united and we all have those the, that spirit of, of bringing each other together. He is able to build up that. Now, listen to his voice tone. Listen how he starts off a little bit slower and then he starts to move it a little bit quicker, doesn't he? He starts to make his sentences move a little bit closer together. He emphasizes words a little bit more. And as he's emphasizing the words more, then he can bring it back down. And then he emphasizes it more. You see, this is a a technique that um, late night preachers on TV will actually do. You know, they'll 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 do I call it the uh, uh, crescendo, you know, kind of tonality. Right. They'll, They'll build it up and they'll say, you know, and now you find that all of the power of the spirit inside of you sinks in, you know, and then they go back down. And so, you know, listening to his tone, listening to the way in which he he does this is so, so critical and, you know, so amazing. And so uh, a, a a public speaker who wishes to learn, you can learn from a clip like this about, OK, what is it that he did there right in that moment? And uh, I'm actually surprised that he doesn't do stuff like that, you know, more often or, or, or more completely. He said, I've never seen anything like it. And you know what? We're higher now than we were on Election Day. We're higher now because now people are seeing the results. It's actually easier because people are actually seeing the results. Before I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We're going to get a tax cut. We're going to get rid of the individual mandate. We're going to do all these things, judges, regulations. Now I've done it. And now just pay attention to how he used his pacing and the volume of his voice right there to whip everybody up. He's getting everybody into this anxious frame of mind of, you know, oh, we're, you know, we're higher now. People said it couldn't happen, but we're higher now. And this is all despite this, but we're higher now. And sort of getting everybody really worried. And then, and then it's like, but we've done it. And that moment of relief right there, but we've done it. And he throws his arms out and just allows, you know, sort of a sigh of relief to happen. Like a rags and what, story. Right. And so what I see here is that he's sort of trying to draw a connection between the emotions of those poll numbers with his with actually accomplishing things. So he's saying that 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 feeling of uh, ease that you have after all of that anxiety means that we have accomplished stuff. So it feels better to feel that ease of accomplishment than it does to have that struggle and believe that there is a struggle in the poll numbers 
And that's a much more anxious, a much more difficult thing to believe. And so it's sort of creating a, a, a bridge, an emotional bridge right there that allows people to more easily cling to the idea that, you know, we've accomplished these things, we've done all of these things, and that's why our poll numbers are higher now as opposed to critically analyzing things, because when you're critically analyzing things, you're all anxious in your mind and you've got all these things and you're higher now, but they might not be possible. And then this and that. And uh, it's just so much easier to believe that it's all done. Yeah. It's all of a sudden they're, they're in a place of calmness and they're in a place of ease. And it also sets them up for if later on they need to go through some struggle, but they still have their values and they're still convicted within their values well, they can continue with the struggle knowing that there's going to be ease on the other end. And it's kind of like, well, it happened here, but we're higher now. We're able to make that. We, we, you know, we've made it now. We're in a better place now. And he sets it up that it's like we're higher. But notice that there could be another step on that rung. There could be another place for them to go. There could be something you know, even, even further up. And that's it for Donald Trump's speech. I think it's really important that we take this moment and really reflect on everything that he was able to accomplish in this speech. You know, it's really interesting because it's so easy for us to not watch any of his speeches or to watch and then get caught up in what he's saying and to really step back and listen very intently, very closely at the words that he's saying is very important, not only for you know, critically analyzing what he's saying, but for democracy in general, we've got a lot of moments where politicians, whether they're Donald Trump or not, use some of the very same tactics. And we, because we agree with that politician, allow ourselves to bypass our critical parts of our mind. We allow it to slip through in the same way that all the people there in that Donald Trump rally might also be open and receptive to allowing his suggestions to slip right by. And so I challenge everybody listening to this show to take a moment to sit back the next time that they're watching their politician, just like I said last episode, and wait for these moments where you find yourself maybe getting caught up in their story or ripped up in some new emotion to think about exactly what brought you there and how they did that. Yeah, and what's important is that, you know, we're going to be having an awareness here of the various patterns that tend to happen, right? So, you know, we've done this one for for Donald Trump. Um, obviously, he's a very, you know, popular but also contentious figure, you know, these days. And, um, you know, we're going to do it for other politicians as well to really break down what are some of the commonalities that are there. Now, this is really important because as we prepare to end the show here, if you really enjoy the show and you'd like to support us, uh, make sure to go to the Patreon page. You're going to find the link below in the show notes. And that's really important because that's going to keep this going, right? We really want for this to be, as I mentioned before, a listener-supported show. So if you really like it, come down, subscribe. Just You can even just buy us a cup of coffee. That would be awesome. Um, and we, uh, we look forward to seeing you all in two weeks with, once again, another episode of Subliminally Correct. We'll see you then.